We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And there's been a one of the common threads of this season, one of the trends, is that when we've played well, Malik Monk has often been a big part of the reason why. The other night in Sacramento, he was a plus 41 in the second half. The game changed right when he came into the game. And Mike, I believe that I, I've been kind of preaching the idea that speed and athleticism, but also a general sense of enthusiasm and joy and just all of those qualities are very foundational to what this team can become. And Malik is kind of the embodiment of a lot of those things. He plays with a lot of spirit. He runs hard. He's a really good athlete, obviously a great shooter as well. What have you seen that Malik has brought to the table as we get to know these guys in a different way now that they're on our team? Yeah, Pete. So Malik Monk, his personality is also kind of the way that you described it. When Whether it's an interview or you just kind of see him going about or you see him talking to teammates, he's mm-hmm. a very enthusiastic guy. Uh, he's very He seems to be excited to be wherever he's at. And he's very... He's also got the side of him where he's very polite. Like he calls all of the media members, sir. You know, he's... Uh, which I assume he does to an extent with the coaches. So he's a, he's a real interesting guy and a real nice guy. I think that what the interesting thing for him is because the offensive stuff is so obvious. And we talk about it a lot of times on our text thread. It's just, it's so, he's so fluid. The way that the ball comes off of his fingertips when he shoots, all of the different natural little angles that he has uh, where he's suddenly switching from his right hand to his left hand and still using a finger roll. You know, he's got off balance stuff. He's got floater stuff. So he's got a lot of this, this really interesting parts of his game. And overall, He's been a big positive. Like his net rating is plus 4.9. The only guy that plays more than that that's that's higher is Austin Reeves, and that's in considerably less minutes. So what I what I think the curious part is, and I, I hinted at this last time when I asked you, Pete, is how much can he continue to learn on the defensive end and how much can he physically overcome or try to find ways to 
overcompensate for part of the lack of physicality that he has to really get to even to another level. But the player that he is now has been good. Uh, and it, it's clearly been a positive. And those, I, th- I think, probably even exceeded some expectations that I had before the season where I thought the defense was going to drag down um, some of the clear offensive talents. The defense is what it is with him. He can run hot and cold on on that end. Um, the thing that I've seen from Monk is that the more consistency he has in his role, the better he seems to play. Or oh, that's an more, interesting, yeah. Or, or with more comfort, right? And this may be, I'd have to talk to people who were like following the Hornets a fair amount, but I felt like that was true of him like last year as well, where they sort of ran out of options to have like another contributor that they needed at the guard spot for him. And like, I felt like they were asking more of him than maybe what he was capable of, of actually providing. And then they got Terry Rozier and then they got LaMelo ball and things started to click into place for what the team structure was going to look like around him. And his role became much more like, Hey man, come in here, play hard, do what you do. It's like, Mm -hmm. do what you do. Like you don't have to be the kid with the lottery pedigree who is going to be a foundational player for us. And in fact, that's very much true. They let him walk in free agency as just like, like, okay, like you're out of here. Right. And so with the Lakers, I felt like he was sort of Vogel's going to have a certain standard for you as a player defensively. And I feel like Malik wasn't always meeting that standard. And so his minutes reflected that. And the only nights where he got an extended look was the nights where he was playing well. Right. And so like you almost have to show that you're into it already rather than like, okay, well, we're going to give you a second shift or we're going to extend this shift for longer or you didn't have it last night. So we're going back to you again in the same exact role in the same exact spot of the game. And I feel like that has Either that leash has been lengthened or Vogel's just accepted the fact that like this is sort of who he is as as a player and we're going to give him these minutes. Right. And he's rewarded them, I feel like, with a baseline level of competence defensively. It's not always there, but there's a baseline there where it's like not egregious like it was during earlier in the season. And Pete, like the the pop that he has. He's one of the few players on the team that has that pop, that athletic pop. And and that matters for a team that is as old as this team, right? And we haven't seen none yet. And THT is young, but he's not... He's a different kind of player. Yeah, he is not that high riser, like super athlete. earthbound, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, Right, and so there is something that's lacking on this roster that Monk has in spades. So I think just for that reason, he has found a niche on this team, um, particularly in lineups with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I want to talk about the Russ pairing in the second segment. But with respect to the defense, I've seen some improvement on that end that you spoke to as well. And part of it is understanding scheme and where he's supposed to be. So with him, it's it's a matter of, with defenders that have some obvious like with Malik he's 6-1 and not particularly strong and is going to lose some of the physical battles i always call this these are your strength battles right where 
one thing I found interesting when and if you put him in LeBron lineups, they actually are are negatives normally. And that's part of the interesting part of this season is that certain guys like Malik, but also most of the role players, they have certain partners amongst the stars that they work very well with this one star, but not as well with this other star. And kind of bridging that is something that's going to be one of the challenges of the remaining three quarters of the season. So with a player like Malik, it's like, okay, what can you do? Do you do that consistently? And what you can't do, how do we account for that? Right. So starting with what can he do? He's fast and he's an athlete. And so he's been locking and trailing really well uh, around with shooters. He's able to get skinny because he's already skinny and to get all over the top of screens and chase guys. He is somebody who can get back in transition defense and just be a part of the transition game in general. But there's also the thing that earlier this year, and I'm not convinced out of this. I've gone so back and forth on Monk throughout this year that I'm still worried there's a fool's gold element to his game of like, can a player with his attributes be able to play in the playoffs? And I think the biggest determining factor of that, Mike, is recognition. And one of the things I've seen as an improvement on tape with him over the last month is he's at least in the right spot more often. He's at least like he he was on the weak side, the guy, the one defending two a lot against Sacramento. And as soon as that pass was being made, he's busting his ass to drop to the to the low man to check that guy. And this is this is what's really interesting. I, I've talked a lot about like you can't ask Malik Monk to win low man battles in the paint. Well, what he was been doing is he's been using his speed to beat the guy to the spot to prevent that guy from getting into the paint in the first place. He wins some of those, he loses some of those, but it's closer to that point where I'm like, okay, we can work with this. And it's a like if you squint your eyes real hard, you see some KCP there, that guy that can sprint up the floor that always has a motor, not nearly as tall, not nearly the defender, of course. But if Malik can at least defensively get to that point, Mike, where he, where Vogel can rely on him. We were talking yesterday in the Dwight pod of like, with DJ, can I rely on you with Bazemore? Can I rely on you to do your job, to be in the certain spot? I think that goes a long way with Frank and with a lot of coaches, especially on the defensive end. So that is one little, I'm still skeptical about his future fit, but I'm seeing improvement in the short term. And I still don't have a great answer as to what his, not necessarily his minutes, but should he start? Should he come and should he be the guy that's kind of featured off the bench? You know, with the current lineup being LeBron out, I do, I would like him as a starter. And those are the groups that, of course, played so well um, against Sacramento. And that's why his net rating was, we mentioned it last game, what was it? Or not his, his plus minus was like plus 40. Or something in that uh, second half, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. second half, it was like plus forty-one. So, and he was plus thirty for the game, basically. So, I I do think that this comes back to the question of all right, if he's in the starting lineup, and let's say even let's say LeBron gets back, and you just you know what, his offense is so good. How much would teams focus on getting him in certain matchups defensively? If uh, and again, this would be if they're starting AD at the five, and you can't go there, and you can't like get whether it's Dwight or DJ and pull him out on the floor. So. Is he better protected by just playing bigger minutes off the bench um, in those extent? And you can still get him 25 minutes there. You know, so Darius, what's your thought on that? Like, what would your optimal Malik Monk role be if you're Frank Vogel moving forward? So that's such a good question. And we're going to take so much time to answer that. Let's go to break real quick, Mike. And then when we come back on uh, the other end, I want to talk about that. And then also a couple of other things around Monk's offense that I think are super interesting. Lakers basketball is finally back. 
And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So, it's an interesting thing with the starting lineup, with LeBron out especially, because I do think the Lakers need um, another punch of usage. They just need another usage guy. Like Russ is Russ is going to be Russ. AD is going to be AD. But there needs to be a third guy who can do something, especially on second side actions. And I think we've thought a lot about that guy being THT. But THT is still an inconsistent enough shooter and too focused on driving that defenses are treating him a certain way. And it is gumming things up on the second side. So T- the THT discussion is a whole different one. Yeah, but, I want but, to but, have a thought about him, yeah. <laughs> but I think Monk might be a more natural fit there as a second side sort of medium usage player who can create an isolation, but you can also run other sort of actions for. If I could just jump in real quick on what do second side players need to do is what that is, is the ball gets skipped to you. And the first option is to shoot that three and the second side action comes into play when you're not that open somebody closed out to you you didn't get that open look now what do we do and so Malik can then flow into a ball screen we've seen some passing skills he makes he makes these one-handed passes D that like my my inner high school coach is like like cringes every time he does it and sometimes there are turnovers that just like I I know in my mind that I make a bigger deal out of it in my mind than it actually is. But the flinging one handed turnovers, it was one of it's like I have PTSD from high school days of those types of turnovers. But he can also but he has some skills out of ball screens and can attack and be a scorer and be a threat on the rim. He's made a couple of good reads out of the pick and roll where he's throwing the skip. Right. And, And and so. The thing about Monk, and, and this is what I was hinting at around his his offensive skills, is that he is such a shot maker that if he gets two passes, like he needs two reads. He needs this is, lob and yes. skip. He needs yes. lob and skip. 
Lob skip score. Yeah, yeah. Those are the three. Yes. I'm saying the like the passing reads. For sure. Like like the passing reads are lob and skip. Score is read you, number you one, two, and three for score, him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he's always reading score. But if he understands the the passing decision, like differentiating between when is the right time to throw each of those those passes, he can be a really good second side player. As as it stands now, he's fine. Right. And the interesting thing is that I'd kick back to you, Pete, is that one of the reasons why I thought that lineup in Sacramento gelled so well, it's because it was it was almost like a game of two on two, like twos and like a two side, a two side and then a plus one. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like Russ and A.D., that's your two. So you got you can run two man game with those guys. That's a your lot, first two, yes. right? And then you've got Monk and Dwight potentially on second side, or you you can yeah. vice versa those two, right? But like, absolutely, yeah. Little big, little big, and then Wayne, right? And so Wayne as the outlet shooter guy, that dude. You could even swap Wayne for like Carmelo, but it's the same principle, right? Like this dude's going to space and he's going to shoot and he's going to work some off of movement actions. And he's the sort of connective scorer who is a lower usage guy. He's he's an archer too, right? Like when, yes. when Russ and AD and Malik and Dwight, when they run their ball screens effectively, they're putting pressure on the rim. It's collapsing the defense. And then you kick it out to your archer who's got his feet set. And Wayne's been a lot better on those threes with his feet set. And so, Mike, when you were talking about protecting Monk defensively a little bit more and the idea of what sort of like lineups can can he play in, if Frank Vogel's going to say, let's play big to start the game, and let's say that Dwight made his case, we talked about that the last game, like let's say Dwight made, made his case, and Dwight, you're going to start. I might start Monk in that situation because he then has the second big to sort of help him navigate both sides of the floor, right? That second big protects him defensively, right? And so, Pete, you mentioned that he's locking and trailing a lot. What you need in lock and trail action is a big who understands that coverage, right? Like, what is my angle in terms of how I'm defending the screener on that so that if the guy comes off tight on that curl as the big, I'm there to help? Because my mm-hmm. guy is trailing or if or if that guard flares and then the big becomes a more integral outlet piece that I'm also there to snuff out that action. And there is an activity level that Dwight does with that. And then on the uh, on the other side of the floor, you do have that second side screen and roll partner. You do have so- sort of that that other big that you can partner with that that can be a help to you as as a second side side guy and so mike i'm interested to sort of see where you're at with monk like answer your own question like should should he move to a star starting role particularly with with braun out or would you continue to give tht the chances because tht is important too i would go with monk there guys and i also part of that's just because i like THT, the idea of THT as a playmaker and having more time with the second unit when he comes in. And I just don't think that's as necessary when you've got Westbrook and particularly with LeBron back. And just because Monk can do a little bit of that too, but his shooting is so much better uh, than THT's at this point. And so it seems like to me that Monk's shooting about 50% from three 
He's not. He's actually only shooting about 36%. But he's had five or six threes, I remember, just in the last week that have kind of gone in and out. And as you guys know that I, I love to return to this point, if you if five of those go in, then he is shooting literally 40% if you just give him five more makes. So the difference is not is completely irrelevant, basically, uh, to the point where he needs to be respected as a shooter. And I, I thought Pete made some good points about the defensive improvements and how how much I think that this is where the Frank Vogel coaching staff comes into play and what they're working with him specifically on. And he's starting to get some more time with AD and with guys like Dwight so he can kind of know that those guys are going to be there. And he didn't necessarily have that in Charlotte the last couple of years. I mean, sure, they had Bismack Biombo, right, as a, a rim protector, but I think that's just a different level. So I like the concept of Monk. And in fact, Pete, I think that he, before the season, we, were, we weren't really sure what's Baysmore going to give you, what's Ellington going to give you, how about Monk, how about Kendrick Nunn if he's healthy, we didn't know about Austin Reeves to the extent that he could be this impactful, but Monk has been the guy that Vogel has gone to more often than not in crunch time situations, especially. And that right there should tell us that he has basically eclipsed then the rest of that group in terms Great of, point. Yeah. you know, so that, so I think that that knowledge plus the fact that we just like uh, what his skill set is, I, I think is portent that he would be one of your top choices there, if not the top uh, to get that, roll aside with the rest of the starters. I think it's slightly outsized for him. I don't think Malik is a closing player most of the time. Uh and what it what his what him thriving though, especially alongside Russ encourages me about is I think none is going to be a good fit alongside Russ too is that a speed guard next to Russ is very important and none is a better defender than Monk he's not a great defender but he's a, a certainly a better defender than Monk and so somebody who can run with Russ and can fill the lanes and be that none is another second side player if the ball gets skipped to him he's not the shooter that Malik is on that catch and shoot but he's a better ball screen player he's a three level scorer and I think that you we're starting to see certain again those attributes match up with respect to the starting lineup I actually do think he should be starting right now in THT's place with the two big lineup the whole dynamic that we've been talking about a lot this year but especially earlier in the year that idea of Russ plus two bigs especially if one is AD and the other is not a floor spacer you're just creating certain defensive decisions where the defense is going to go all right we're going to protect the paint every decision that we make on defense is going to be geared toward protecting the paint and if that means that we're kicking out to THT for an open three so be it it's a totally different equation when that's Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington at those other two spots. So I think that what you've done by starting Russ, AD, and DJ, you have to have in those other two spots counters offensively to alleviate the stress that you've put on the defense or the, excuse me, the stress that you put on your offense by not maximizing spacing. And I think Monk and Ellington do that. Yeah. Avery Bradley and THT are not counters. No. Yes. They're yes, not. Ben. Exactly. And, and I appreciate Frank Vogel, but this is where he is skewed too much defense, like mm -hmm. the idea of defense, even more than the outcome of of defense. Now, you could argue more for Dwight, but we did that last pod. So we're not going to get into that now. Pete, I'm going to take us a break again, because when we come it. back, I want us to get into more a little bit of Monk's offensive game but particularly his pairing with Russ because there is some interesting numbers in the data that I'd like to kick to you when we come back around the other side of the horn we 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Pete, I'm looking at two-man and three-man lineup data here. Just so you guys know, Darius has been in the lineup data, okay? Oh. He has been living in lineup data for the last several weeks. Just wanted to put that up. I have I, Excel spreadsheets myself, too. I've Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. So, Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook, just two-man pairing. They've shared the floor for 356 minutes. What do you, what would you guess the Lakers' defensive rating is in those 356 minutes? So I, too, had looked up some Monk stats, but with LeBron off the floor, I was surprised. So I only know the numbers here that you're talking about with LeBron off of the floor, but I was really surprised. Like, it was a sub-100 defensive rating with LeBron off the floor. It's like 90, it's like 94-something. What is it with the with in total? In total, it's 98.6. Yeah. Right. And so the offensive rating is only 103.8. Mm-hmm. And so the Lakers are still lagging behind in terms of their offensive production from the talent that that they have. But plus 5.2 net rating, pretty good there. Right. And so let's go to three man data here and let's look at Russ and AD and Monk. Those two, those three have shared the floor for 214 minutes. Again, defensive rating 98.5, offensive rating of 103.1. So a little bit worse on both sides of the ball, but still net 4.6 positive. We're looking for silver linings when LeBron is out, especially. This is an important one. Yes. If we're winning the minutes that LeBron, let's, first off, if LeBron doesn't become the LeBron we all know, at some point during the season and into the playoffs, none of this matters. There is no path to winning. But if we're able to win the non-LeBron minutes by five points per 100 possessions, seven points per 100 possessions, you're in great shape as a team. So it is a silver lining, and it's not the most important lineup or even the second most important lineup. But those Russ-AD pairings and finding partners with them is super important to the long-term success of the team. 
Mike, so filling out some of these these lineups is going to be important. But beyond that, I'd love to get your thoughts on Monk as a partner for Russ, Monk as a partner for for AD, and and just sort of like you've talked a lot about the fluidity of him as as an athlete. I think that that thing alone, him just being that smooth athlete matters here but i i'm always interested in your thoughts because the vantage point in which you see the game is so different from the vantage point that regular fans do and there's not a lot of people who get to see the game from the angles that you actually do even if you do watch the monitor a fair amount as well there's still a sense of the speed and the burst that guys have and so talk to us a little bit about monk and particularly how you think that complements russell westbrook yeah, so the idea of Monk, I think this is, I go back to the freshman year game with him and Austin Reeves, and Austin Reeves in the state championship in Arkansas, and as you guys know, Reeves' team ended up winning, but Monk, even at that stage, was the eye test in person, had all of the stuff. It was clear this guy was going to be recruited by Kentucky, you know, and so he's, Pete's talk, Pete talks a lot about his athleticism, which I think sometimes gets lost in his skill set, but it's the same thing when you're up close and personal with him because he just he just looks like an elite basketball player from the shake that he has on on the basketball from the touch that he has he just he carries himself a certain way and I think that the limiting factor for him has been his size uh, relative to some of the rest of the guys in the league that have that kind of a package because he's not six six you know he's not. And so some of the the actual best players that can impose themselves also physically, he's just got this really high powered skill package. Uh, but so that like that's the thing that always stands out to me and why when you're when you're so close to him. And I think that NBA players seem to pick up on this, too, that these guys respect those kind of skills. Mm-hmm. It's a there's a little bit of I, this is a higher end of this, but like Kyrie Irving, you know, somebody that you're in the mm-hmm. gym next to. Yeah. Yeah, like guys like that. Lou Williams, right? To, we know that I won't get into all that in my history with, with uh, <laughs> analyzing example, Lou Williams. Mike. But, but when that, he's that, in... That Ale- hold on, hold on. That Alex Caruso quote aged like fine wine, by the way. That Your Alex Caruso take. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> that is the part of Malik Monk's, I think, skill set. When, when you hear Anthony Davis talk about on record, like, I can't believe that we got this guy. And then you separate that and you look at some of the advanced stats for his previous couple of years, right? And then you see the holes in this game more. But there's just a the in-person vibe with Malik is more towards that just being impressed. Like just like, wow, man, this guy's got some real skills. The data backs that up too, that idea of the skills and the athleticism and the just the pop. I got a crazy stat for well, you this, guys. He, hold on this year, but I don't know if it has for his career though. What, no, no, I'm talking about yeah. for, for this year right, in particular yeah. it, about so how it like fits into – no, no, you're 100%. And here's the, the thing about – there are there have been plenty of other small players that have been successful in the league. There's a whole other conversation about small players in the playoffs. It is tough sledding there, but we're not there yet. And uh, let's stay in the moment and, you know, we can talk as the season goes on on his playoff fit and, you know, when teams, teams will target him, right? That's a whole other conversation that's for later down the line. But for now, in 290 minutes, 
with Russ and Monk with LeBron off of the floor. That's how I I filter it for that because if LeBron is on the floor, I consider it a LeBron-led unit. No matter what's going on on the floor, LeBron will always have a great deal of influence and sway on just how the team plays. So with LeBron off of the floor, but Russ and Malik on it, we have a plus 7.6 net rating in 290 minutes. Again, to Darius's numbers, very similar. Offensive rating of only 102.3, but a defensive rating of 95.7. Here's the stat that I've I've been wanting to tell you guys, though. That group plays at a pace of 106.8 possessions per game. There hasn't been a team, and I only looked the last 25 years, there hasn't been a team that's played faster than that over the last 25 years. I'm sure there are certain lineup groups and certain, you know, that that over those years, of course, certain units will play faster. But as a team, Darius playing at a 106.8 pace, uh, at a 106.8 pace is nuts. And for me, I'm like that old Kobe commercial where he's doing the Kobe system commercial and he's like more, right? This is exactly what I've been looking for and exactly kind of like the life and spirit of at least a couple of units on this team. And so that idea of him being a hooper that ignites like he ignites the team that is the big thing that's really stuck out to me is that when he's running and he's flying up and just being himself all of a sudden ad becomes very animated we we haven't talked at all about ad ad's defensive third quarter and just second half in general against sacramento holy crap he was everywhere we've barely talked about it i don't want to credit malik monk with that that's obviously anthony davis but monk ignites the team in a way that is really important, I think, just to the overall spirit of the team. I'd be interested to know how many dunks Monk has this year and where he ranks on the Lakers. I don't have those stats. Maybe I can enlist a listener and they'll at me. Maybe Peter Mike will be happy to do some digging here while I pontificate about Malik Monk. But he really does race up and down the court. He really is a transition player. He leaks out a fair amount. We have nine dunks from Malik Monk on the year. He only had eight last season in 42 games with Charlotte. Nine dunks. That might be as many dunks as LeBron has this year. LeBron's played way fewer games, right? But it's just like that idea of being able to sort of finish in the paint as well. The reason why I bring up dunks is like, that is an animating thing for this team. When Russ dunks, Everyone loves it. When LeBron dunks, everyone loves it. DJ, Dwight, AD, when those guys dunk, like that that does animate the team. And having another dude out here who is sort of just like, oh, I can get one down too. Like, look at this, double pump, two hands. Like, oh, baseline, look, let me hang up there. And it always looks better when a little dude dunks. It's why the little dudes always win the dunk contest. <laughs> right, right. Because there's this contorting, flying through the air. And they just sort of like keep going up and up. Like the uh-huh. point where a normal sized guy, like a 6'6 guy would would be able to dunk. Like uh, a 6'1 guy, he's still got two or three more inches to sort of go. And you're just like, oh, look at him. He's sort of floating mm-hmm. up there, right? So Monk's ability to sort of get out in transition and get out in early offense and speed the game up not just in a shot to shot way but in but in the in between moments those are the moments i call tempo right and so there is pace and there is tempo and i've talked about this a lot on the pod but the lakers can often play with a lot of pace but, but not tempo but not mm-hmm. tempo mm-hmm. right they run slowly 
they move around slowly. LeBron and AD sometimes are just like, man, Dwight has looked like this at various points during the season where it's just like, there is no verve, right? There's no pop. And you really never worry about that with Malik Monk, just like you never really worry about it with Russ. And that's where I think their marriage is perfect and why they fit so well together and how it's reflected in the stats is that idea of, well, yeah, like we're going to play at a basically a 107 pace and let's see if y'all can keep up because mm-hmm. we can do this for a five or a six minute stretch. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook has that motor. Mike, he talked about this after a recent game where he said, that's my gift. My gift is that I can keep going and going and going. And that's how I measure myself and how I'm playing in any given game is, is my motor where it's supposed to be? Not necessarily if, if he's making shots and Monk is another sports car. He, he is out there with Russ, like, all right, man, like we at the line, like, let's go. We're revving. I'm with you. And if no one else is with you, I am. The Russ point, if you just take the Sacramento game, makes sense, right? Because he, the first half, he was bad and he acknowledged it, but he, he does seem to find a way at some point of the game to, ins- to assert himself. And his motor did keep going, even when they were down. And it's happened before. It happened in the, at Detroit game, right? It happened at, at the, the Knicks in that third quarter. So when he does, there's something that he's able to do. And I don't know. The question is, like, how does LeBron, over the course of his larger career, find a way to be much more steady and consistent with that level mm. for four quarters? And why does Russ sometimes have a first quarter up, a second quarter down? Like, that's a whole nother concept. But the point is, he's going to give you enough uh, where if a couple of guys pick up with him, and sometimes it's been AD, you're right that Monk does. Monk does particularly seem to thrive off that. And I think that it's almost as simple as he's got such a skill set that can take quick advantage of. A, yes. Right? Yes. And, and so if Russ... And if you think about the difference between him and even our guy, Austin Reeves, who is a little bit more of a of a connective piece, like if Reeves next to Russ isn't always going to if if Russ drives into the paint and kicks it out to Reeves, it's not necessarily a massive threat that he's going to do something just himself. But if he kicks it over to Monk, it could be a three before you even cross the before you even dot your eye. And so, Pete, you why don't you jump up on that? Because it looked like it hit it hit something for you. It did. So this. I wish I had video to accompany this, and maybe I'll, I'll uh, reply when when Janie tweets this out tomorrow. I'll reply with a, a clip that kind of illustrates this. But I think to get to the best version of this team, we have to drag the game into a somewhat unconventional space, and the place that we can do that is is through speed. And where Malik fits into that, we've talked a lot about Russ. Russ is Russ doesn't just play fast in terms of he's running. But he's a wonderful decision maker at high rates of speed. This is a very specific and filtered type of idea. But however fast he's traveling when he's got his foot down, say it's 15, 18 miles an hour, however fast he's going, he makes better decisions at that rate of speed than the vast majority of even really high-end decision makers. He had a drive and kick to Malik where – He drove, he faked like a wraparound pass, faked like he was going to go up with the shot, then kicked it out with velocity to Malik in the slot type of area. And Malik hit a three and then turned around and screamed. And like, I love his celebrations after he hits a big shot. All of this is very 
this is us at our best and will be us at our best going forward. And so Russ is able to make decisions it, like he's he makes fewer turnovers i would estimate when the things are moving fast than when things are stagnant a lot of russ's turnovers come like with that first unit where he's like i don't have space uh let's try this and it's not open it's a turnover right so where malik fits in with that is he can finish at high rates of speed at all sorts of different angles in transition he's able to shot fake Wrap, you know, bring it back down. The shots he hits, like you know, little scoop lefty layup. But these are shots that are he can score at that high rate of speed that Russ is making his decisions at. Malik can take advantage of that at that same speed. Where in that space, for a lot of offensive players, it's out of their natural rhythm as a scorer. They're not used to scoring at that rate of speed. At that like heightened sense of you know urgency, that that type of pace and tempo, and Malik matches that in a way that most players can't, and that drags other teams into this uncomfortable space where they're like, we're used to making these rotations, we're used to doing these things, but what we're not used to is doing it this fast. And I think that's super important next to Russ. Honestly, Monk got some training in this last season when he played with Lamelo Ball. Great point. Yeah, this isn't. For all the adjustments. De'Aaron Fox. Sorry, De'Aaron Fox in college was his college teammate. Yeah. All of these histories and his teammates that he's had. People have talked a lot about like adjusting to Russ and what it takes to adjust to a player who is sort of a singular type of guy like him. But various parts of his game are represented in a lot of other players around the league. For sure. And LaMelo is one of those guys, I would argue. Monk is probably just like, I could run out with you. I it's can. his natural state anyway, right? Like, like Yeah, like yeah. I'm ready for a leak out pass. I'm ready for that cross-court skip that really no one really sees, but my point guard does, right? Mm-hmm. And that idea of then being able to get into the creases of the defense. And, and so this is another thing that we don't need to spend a lot of the time on, but when you're a little guy... You've been little your whole life. And so Monk's not small, but he's a 6'1 guard. It's Mm -hmm. like he didn't have the LeBron James or the big guard training. He did not go to big guard university, right? Where those guys can play a certain way. So if you're Monk's size, guess what? You've had to sort of contort and shoot at weird angles and Mm -hmm. go over the top with floaters or around or like, oh, Right hand, nope, switching to the left, right? Like there's a lot of little tricks of the trade that you need to have when you're a six foot, six one, six two guy versus being a six six or a six seven guy. And so that also contributes to Monk's craftiness as a scorer and his ability to operate on the in the spots on the floor that honestly the Lakers need that creativity and within their scoring package, right? Because For all of the greatness of LeBron and AD and Russ, at their best, they are sort of blunt force objects. Yes. They are are sledgehammers, right? And you need a certain amount of just like, okay, well, look at this. This guy is sort of operating with a level of craft in spots on the floor that the Lakers stars aren't necessarily occupying a lot. 
I think we're we're all trying to find ways to best explain why Monk's effective, but it's just like it it is a bunch of little things that that add up to make him. I think, if not necessarily an integral piece, a super interesting piece next to especially Russ and AD, and in this window of time without LeBron at all. And then when LeBron returns and is part of second units, I think Monk is going to continue to be important. I am right there with you. And I think following that storyline and seeing how he can defend and how we can account for his defensive weaknesses is going to be one of the more important things that we can develop this season as we, you know, build hopefully toward the playoffs. Lakers are alone in the sixth seed right now, uh, percentage points out of the fifth seed and not that far back of the three seed, believe it or not. So despite... How, how things have gone this season. There are, are little flickers and Malik Monk is one of them. So we'll be back tomorrow, cover more Lakers. I'm not sure what we'll do tomorrow. Maybe a mailbag, maybe a general NBA pod. We'll figure it out. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.